Life of fulfillment starts with understanding your values. And when you know what truly motivates you, you can accomplish extraordinary things. Welcome to the Discover Your Values podcast, where each week we explore unique perspectives on human values with leaders who inspire us to explore the depth of our potential. Now, here's your host, Jacob J. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited because today I have Matthew Biggins, uh, who's joining us today on our podcast. And I want to welcome Matthew to the show. Hey, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on today. And for our listeners, I want to share kind of how I stumbled upon Matthew. Matthew is on a wild adventure right now, and he posted an article on Medium about quitting his job and telling his parents about it. And I was really fascinated with his story because quitting your job is is a really big deal. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. And we need more stories of people like this because there's so many people that are stuck in corporate jobs and they're not really kind of fulfilling their values and, and living their best life. And that's why we reached out to Matthew because I think he's got a great story. So Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of the journey that you're on right now. Yeah. So I, I'm 24 years old currently. I'm two years out of university. So I graduated in 2016, which is still kind of crazy for me to believe. But I've been working for, uh, I worked for two years after that. So I worked at uh, Accenture doing digital consulting work. That's kind of my background. I was like traveling every week the client site, whether that was on the East Coast or West Coast was kind of where, where my clients were situated and I was based in Chicago. So that's a bit about the, the work background. And then what kind of led me through the process of doing this, this crazy trip, as, as he put it, is I about like up until this job, like my life had been about like basically school, school, school. And it was like, get good grades to be able to get, you know, into the next year of school and to be able to get into a good university. And then at university, it was, okay, get good grades in order to be able to get a really good job, which at my school was, okay, get a high paying job in like a respected field. And then about six months after, after graduating college and I started work, I was kind of just looking around and it was like, okay, I, you know, I'm making good money. Like I can like, close one eye and like squint the other and like see the impact I'm like having on like actual people and making the world better. But it was hard to get there. And that's kind of when I started thinking about, okay, what's, what's the bigger picture? What do I more kind of ultimately want to do um, now that I've graduated from school? Wow. And so Accenture was your first job then right out of college. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so you—that's a pretty big job. So you—you you got right on with a consultancy right out of school. Yeah, so I, I went to the University of Notre Dame, which is about two hours east of Chicago. And uh, while I was there, I studied economics. And one of the big career paths that is, is just kind of pushed there is a lot of students go into consulting. And why that was appealing to me, and I think a lot of other students in my position was 
I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew consulting did not close any doors. So it was like, okay, it pays well. It's the work is hopefully going to be interesting because I can like learn about the telecommunications industry or the tech industry or uh, the mining industry, like really kind of whatever, whatever you want. And so you do that quickly. And then after that, you could kind of hone in on, okay, this is more what I'm interested in. Yeah, that's uh, one of the best things I think about some of the consultancies is it's just a, it's a wealth of opportunities in those organizations that allow you to kind of expand your reach into a lot of different things. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, you know, while you were at, you know, this job with Accenture, what about the job in doing it kind of day in, day out as you were just kind of getting your career started that you started to realize it was time for a change? Kind of walk me through a little bit about kind of what was going on kind of in your mind. Yeah. So I think, I think the main thing was for me is, is when I have alone time, like my mind just starts thinking and uh, that's, I think that's a blessing and a curse, but with, with consulting with travel, so much of it is you'll have alone time at the airport or on the plane or in the hotel room, like after work. And, and so because of that, I, I was just always kind of, my mind is just always kind of like thinking and, and really I think what it came down to was there was a lot of work I enjoyed doing and there were people I enjoyed working with but it came down to like I wanted to be able to see like kind of more of a direct impact my work was having and and day to day when some of the work you're doing or that I was doing seemed like it was more just handling like the people aspect of it like okay like the technical stuff wasn't difficult it was how do we get these two different groups of people talking to each other? And it kind of felt like, all right, I'll just send like an email and follow up on the email and like set up a meeting and get people to talk to each other, which I think there is value, but kind of doing that day in and day out for a while kind of just made me think, all right, this isn't maybe what I I want to do long-term. So you mentioned something here that I think is really good, and it was about seeing that your work had a direct impact. And I think this is a common theme I'm seeing among a lot of folks now. And can you tell me a little bit more about what that means for you? Yeah, absolutely. So for for me, like where I, when I'm my, at my happiest and, and most fulfilled is when I can like stand on the side and I can like see someone else being successful and like being so immensely happy that they are like achieving whatever whatever it is that they want to achieve and and being able to know that i played some small part in that that's like what i can enable that is where i get the most fulfillment from so that's that's where i see kind of my impact and then you know day to day in consulting it was it's i think it's hard to see that because you're like one step more removed so like if you work for like one of these, like a telecommunications company, you can see that, okay, what I'm doing is like potentially directly impacting consumers and whether they can buy a better phone for cheaper to be able to talk to loved ones more, right? But then like as a consultant, you're like one step removed from that. So it's like, you're not helping the end consumer, you're helping the company that then will be helping the end consumer. So just having that step of a bit more removed, personally, I I want to work with and be able to see impact my work is having directly on everyday people. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned in this article, and I love your article about kind of, you know, 
having the conversation about, you know, quitting a job. And in, in your case, you're having this conversation with your parents. And so, you know, in what you've explained up to this point, you know, you've kind of, you're at this place mentally right now where you're, you're sort of ready to pull the plug on, you know, pulling out of the matrix, you know, kind of, so to speak. (laughs) And it's a big thing for a lot of people because a lot of people feel like they need to fit into that social norm. And you've, you've taken a risk that so many people will admire you for, but a lot of folks would have a hard time doing it. And I want to talk a little bit about the, you mentioned, you know, kind of preparing for, you know, that tough conversation with your parents. What was that like? Yeah, no. So it was, it was definitely helpful to have, I think, resources like, like what you're putting together, where I just, I was, it got to the point where I was just watching so much YouTube or listening to podcasts or reading articles of different people that had gone through a similar process or like, okay, you don't need to do like what society's definition of success is. So honestly, having those platforms and those voices was immensely helpful it showed that like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. So that was, that was kind of the, the internal pep talk I needed was this other content people had produced. And then, yeah, in terms of preparing for the conversation with my parents, I, you know, it was, it was important to me because I respected them so much and coming from like upbringings that they did like, and, and being able to like, like have a very good life and give me a very good life. I, I just wanted to like make sure that they knew what I was doing came from a place of respect for them and in honesty to myself. It wasn't that I didn't appreciate what they'd done for me in the past. And to be clear, I wasn't like asking them for money or anything like that. I just wanted to have their blessing and not do something that would like ruin our like relationship going forward in the future. So, so those are the, like the important things to me. And, and yeah, in terms of preparing for it, you know, I just, I was asking friends like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. How would you approach speaking to your parents about it? So kind of getting those different perspectives. And then I mentioned this in the article, but frankly, just practicing what I basically took the conversation I wanted to have with my parents and sat like a friend down and was like, hey, pretend like you're a parent and this is what you're hearing. Tell me if this makes sense to you or not. And, And then they would just call me out for things. And that kind of trial and error helped a bit. And then the thing I, I did too is I got all the pieces in place on the work side before going to talk to them as well. So I knew that I had a solid plan where it was, okay, this is how this transition with leaving my job is going to work. Here's like the money aspect, like how this is going to work to like pay for this stuff and like I'll stay solvent. Here's kind of the plan of how I'll be like safe when I'm traveling and really why I want to travel. And this was just, I knew it was an introductory conversation. And like, I've made that very apparent over and over where I was saying that, Hey, like, we'll talk about this more than just this one time. I'm just going to lay it all out right now. And I did it early enough before my trip. I did it four months before I actually left on my trip that I, I told them this is what I was going to do. That gave a lot of time to, I, I think, process and talk through some of their concerns. So you did a, it sounds like a really great job of just planning all of this in, in the beginning. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would say I, the, in terms of the conversation, I think I planned a lot. In terms of the actual travel bit, which I don't know if we're going to get into, but I, uh, I kind of subscribe to uh, a school of thought that's like just in time 
travel or like just in time and planning, I guess, for it, where it's like, I'll, I'll want to have kind of the big picture structure figured out. But in terms of filling in the, the actual pieces, I, I like to keep that more spontaneous just because that's how I enjoy traveling the most. But So were you, as you were kind of planning all of this out, and I, and I realize in your article, you kind of focus around the conversation with your parents, but were you under pressure to kind of conform to social norms from other family or friends as, as part of this process? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I think those are more implied pressures than they are explicit. So it's not like, I think a lot of people I told friends or work colleagues or under people that were still at university or had been out a bit longer were so excited. They were like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing trip. Like, I wish I could be doing that. I'm going to be living vicariously through you. Like, you know, all, all that, right? Which I thought was so interesting because there was a ton of like interest that people were like, this is great. I wish. And then whatever excuse it is why they can't do something similar. But so I think everyone like has that dream where like, this is something similar that they want to do. So like that support was great. But the implied pressure for me was, was more everyone is people are like, okay, you're around people. If, if you go to school at like, uh, like a top tier university, those people like try to get top tier jobs and you're, you're pressured by the career center to do that. And you're pressured by like, if you're in the school of business, like, okay, you're going to go into banking or you're going to go into consulting and that's it. And then it's like, if you, if you want to go into grad school you need to get into the best grad school. Right. And so I think there's that a lot of that pressure, at least in the, where I went and being at uh, Accenture, a top consulting firm was, it was just kind of, that was in, and so so what that kind of meant is it was hard to to break out to that because you start wondering okay so i'm going to do something where basically it's like i'm sacrificing money i'm sacrificing career progression i'm sacrificing you know being able to go out to like like nice dinners or nice bars or whatever to do stuff that fits like a certain lifestyle fits that image of a successful life i think and, and even though people are supportive of that, I think inside in your head, you get a sense of, okay, what are people going to think about this? Are they going to judge me for this? You know, I don't want them to like look down upon me. I want them to know that, you know, I'm not doing this because I can't, I can't be successful at work. I'm doing this because, you know, of these reasons. And, and so I think, I think it's not what people think of us. I think it's what we think other people will think of us. And I think that's the, major hurdle I to overcome. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a really great observation. So there was something you mentioned in your article that really caught my attention around people going through this transition where they're in a job and they know that they want to kind of break away and, and, and do something different. And you mentioned something in the article about, you know, is this rational or is this just a whim? kind of juxtapose those two things. And I think there's a lot of folks that may be asking that similar question. You know, is this just me trying to run away from a problem or am I actually solving the problem? And I'm curious, how did you answer that question? In my particular case? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think and I think the, it's something I'm still grappling with. I think, I, I think there's always those moments where, like, you know, I... I 
I, I spent like four days on this trip so far doing like a silent Buddhist meditation retreat because that's something I wanted to learn about. And like did, when, it, when I was in that, I had a lot of time to think. And so thought crossed my mind. It's like, like, why am I really doing this? Did I need to quit my job and travel to like learn what I needed to learn, said I needed to learn, right? <laughs> um, so, so I think, you know, I think there's always that kind of self-doubt and there's always that like questioning, at least for me, there has been. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think kind of constantly reevaluating is, is okay as long as it doesn't like stop you from like actually doing something. But yeah, so, so with, with my situation, I like the, the seed of like doing a trip like this was like planted actually the summer right after I graduated from college. I had three months off before I started my job and I uh, wanted to do something like I'd, an experience I'd never had before. So I decided to go work on a 3,000 acre, 900 cattle ranch in North Dakota. And it was a great experience. But while I was there, I was reading a book by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, uh, called Shoe Dog. It's his memoir. And in it, he described an experience where he went on a similar type trip when he was 24 years old, I believe it was, around the world. And his idea for wanting to do it was trying to find, trying to experience like what the Greeks called Lagos, like what Hindus and Buddhists like reviewed in their cultures. And he was like, dare I say, try to find God, like whatever, like basically meaning in life, right? And when I read that, I was like, that is so cool. And so that seed was planted then. And just like through like being at work and, and like seeing like what that day-to-day looked like, it just kind of metastasized into like, okay, I have to I have to do something. And basically I felt a quarter life crisis coming on and I was like, okay, I don't want to do something. I don't want to do something stupid. So I'm going to plan something a little, a little less stupid to preempt that, which is what this ended up being. So I think in a way it, it is still running um, to be, to be completely honest, but uh, I think it's, I think it's with the purpose of trying to stop running in the future and how, how that I think takes effect is, I, I need to really nail down what my value system is before I think I make too many big career or like family decisions. So before like I can decide that's like, okay, I have this job opportunity potentially. It's like, it pays more. It's in something interesting. Should I take it? Well, without having like those underlying like values that I can like rely on, it's like, okay, I think it's like, sure, I'll take it because it's interesting and it pays more. But where I'm at now, it's like I need to build that value system so I can like use that as a filter to put those decisions through where it's like, okay, even though it's like in an interesting area and maybe it pays more, it doesn't line up with what ultimately I want to like achieve in life. So I'm going to say no to that. And being able to have that confidence is something that, you know, I should have done at university, but I, I didn't. So now I'm spending nine, the next nine months of my life to focus solely on that. So at the end of this trip, I can have those values listed out and documented. So then I can, I can use that in the future. So that's, that's the, how I think it's of it not running uh, versus running. Yeah. And that's a, that's a wonderful way to start. I mean, you're, you're still early on in, in your life, even though you've kind of cited this quarter life crisis, but you are taking the time to explore it and build the self-awareness around those values. And I think that is really going to pay off for you because I'll tell you what I've seen in years as a, as a coach is that a lot of folks 
you know, they go through the college, they go out and get the big corporate job, and then and then life becomes just kind of something that happens on autopilot, you know, for a lot of people. And they wake up, you know, 20, 30 years, and it's like, whoa, all this time has passed. And what am I all about? Absolutely. You know, what do I want? And so it's a, I really congratulate you for taking the time to do all that you're doing and, and the, this trip and these, and understanding your values. Cause I think that's going to create a lot of new insights for you that are really going to bring a lot of clarity around, you know, what are those, those right decisions for you in the future? Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I, I appreciate it. That's the, that's the hope. So hopefully at the end of this, yeah. I'll, I'll be able to, uh, to do that. So now that you've had, you know, some time away from, you know, your, your big corporate job, how have the relationships either stayed the same or have they changed at all between kind of friends and family? Yeah. So I, I quit, quit my job and purposely had, had a, a few months of living still in Chicago where I did before going on this trip because I wanted to, one, just do a couple of things I hadn't done before and then make sure I had everything in order before leaving. So that gave me like a nice like buffer time where I was able to like kind of learn and see those relationships kind of change. Because if I had just quit and immediately gone into this trip, I mean, being half a world away definitely changes things or would change things. So I think that buffer gave me a way to like kind of get more insight on that as opposed to like day to day, I'm just doing stuff. So I don't see it as much. But yeah, so specifically about it, I think uh, I, I think I think friendship wise. So I always I had uh, I always had time to uh, to do things. Um, so I think people enjoyed that. Whether it was whether it was hey you want to grab lunch today or it's let's go for like a run or whatever. It's like I, I had time to do that. So that that was great. And actually, it led to quitting. Led to some really interesting conversations because you know people that you know maybe didn't know that side of me at work now saw it. And and so if they had similar feelings or similar thoughts for themselves like they now you know had an excuse or someone they could like talk to about it so that that happened uh, on multiple occasions and that was really honestly that was really cool to be able to have an avenue for someone to kind of open up about insecurities they had that you know maybe they wouldn't have otherwise and so that was like a very positive benefit from it and what are you hearing from people as people kind of open up to you because they're, my perception is they're coming to you because you, you're an outlier now. You know, you've, you've kind of unplugged from you know, the system and doing something different, at least right now. And they see you as an avenue to, to confide. And would you mind sharing what, you know, what are some of the things you're hearing from people? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try to think of a semi-specific example. Or generalizations. Too. Sure. Yeah, so I would, I would say uh, a big thing is people over index on caring about what they think success needs to be without really challenging that perception. So as, as an example of that, so we're trained in from an early age, if you do the traditional schooling model, that success is like, is kind of perception. Like you get an A on, on the test. Okay. That's what success is. Um, even if you forget everything you learned two weeks later, you got an A on that test and that's what's important. And so it's, and then you get into that good university and then you get that piece of paper that says, I graduated from this university. 
So we're learned to value like perception and then credentialism more than actual impact. Because I think you can get into a good university and you're able to graduate from a university without having like a sub- substantive like impact on the world in, in a sense. And granted, you're early in the process because you're 20 something years old at that point. But I, I think that that just kind of ingrains in us that that is what success is. And then people don't really ever question it. They're just like, okay, that's what success is. So now I want to get that good job and then I want to make money. And then they kind of look at what other people have done and as success and be like, okay, I'm going to tailor my life to that as opposed to slowing down and being like, okay, but what is success for me? So like me doing this, like I think what that did is that broke that ideal picture a lot of, you know, my peers had and where it was like, wait a minute, like that's someone who I thought was successful. And now, or yeah, maybe probably not, who knows, but like, that's someone who like on the outside, you could paint a picture that it, he, it looks like he's successful and now he's actively throwing that away to pursue something else. It's like, that's interesting and that's weird. So I think like what this has done for other people, if I could distill it down to something, it's being able to show to them or being able to get them to think about what success actually is and, and what personal, their personal success should be. And in your travels, and as you've kind of pulled away from the corporate side, are you discovering a new tribe as part of this? Yeah. Are you finding yeah. other individuals that yeah, are like minded? It was kind of insane to me because I just didn't think about it, didn't cross my mind. But so I've, I've tried to be very intentional about this trip. So there's parts where it's like, I want to like do the touristy things and just meet tourists and like see that side of people. There's a part of me that's like, okay, I want to, on the other end of the spectrum, just be with locals and just do what people that actually live in these places do. And then there's the middle area where it's like, I want to, like, I, I think tourist and traveler is different. I think tourist is very much like you go in, you are open to spending more money, you you know, only want to like speak whatever your native language is and and you really are just wanting to like get those experiences you've heard about like uh, online. So if you're going to Thailand, you go to Phuket and just go to the beaches on the islands and then you leave and you don't really interface with locals. You just interface with that resort area. But I think a traveler is someone who like wants to get more ingrained with that local culture, but they're staying at hostels or they're doing like volunteer trips. So like they're getting some of that local flavor, but they're also combining some like tourist tendencies too. So I've like tried to do a bit of the spectrum, but I, I will say when I, I volunteered a week at Elephant Sanctuary and at this, at this Elephant Sanctuary, it's, it's very much people that like are trying to be intentional about travel with learning about the place they're at. And it's, it's honestly so funny to me because you go from this place where, I mean, everyone's kind of been working and doing their same job for a couple of years. So like, you know, there's, there's not super a ton of new, interesting stuff going on. So like they hear that you quit your job and you're traveling the world and they're like, holy, they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, that's really cool and interesting. And so you go from this place of feeling like people thought you were really interesting. So you're thrown in an environment where you've just been here for like two weeks. Like the people that you're meeting, like have traveled their entire lives. Like they're on a five month trip right now. 
and like just way vastly more interesting than you thought you were in your like small little bubble. So, so that was like, it was like, okay, this is a good reality check. I'm glad, I'm glad this is happening. But yeah, it's funny how much people self-select, like the, the people that like want the same things you want and are doing the same things you do. They tend to have a lot of the same values. And that was something like, it's like, you hear me say that it's like, well, duh, like that makes sense. But it just didn't cross my mind. So going and, and doing some of this travel stuff and trying to immerse myself outside of the like, mainstream tourist things, I have met a ton of people that have similar values. And what do you think is changing in the world right now to be driving all of this? Because there's so much of it. And, and you kind of alluded to it in the beginning of, of our conversation around wanting to be very intentional, wanting to live by your values. What, what do you think is driving so, that so I for think, so many people? Right I now? think it has been around for places outside the U.S. So a lot of people I meet on my travels are from like Australia or from, or from New Zealand or from places in Europe. And I think, and, and like in Australia, there's a term, it's called a walkabout is like what I'm doing, where like you go travel for a bit before coming back to like a normal job and uh, people were telling me, it's like, yeah, some places won't even hire you if you haven't gone on a walkabout yet because they just know you're going to leave in two years. Um, <laughs> and, and, and in Europe, like, yeah. I think it's just so easy in, in the EU to get from like Germany to Poland to like Switzerland to Italy, just where you get that kind of, you understand that multiculturalism more and, and the value of other cultures. So I think it's been there. I just think for people... In, in the United States, it hasn't as much. But I think what's changing that now is honestly just the internet and social media. I think like generation, the millennial generation, Generation Z are just being able to like see so much more of like what exists without actually being there, right? And then I think they're just like, okay, this is a cool experience. I want to go see that. I think the other aspect of it is like those generations want experiences they don't want things i think that is super healthy but because i think it's going from a place of success is you know buying a house like having uh having a yard like having a nice car i think that's changing in in our the generation millennial generation generation z to being like you know that's not what success is i grew up using uber and so i don't why do I need to own a car? Like I can just get a car whenever I need it. I don't have to worry about paying for parking. I don't need to worry about getting dings or any of that stuff. So th I think that cultural shift of like subscription service has been like, we don't need to own things anymore. So I think that's one piece. And then the other piece experience is people are like, you know, I could buy like a car, but I'm not going to. So instead of that, I'm going to save up money and then go on this really cool vacation to Iceland when I found tickets online for a very cheap, reasonable price because because of the internet, I can do that now. I think that's the those are the two big things, just like the internet, social media, and then us wanting experiences. And and I think that's I, I think it's very healthy. Um, some people I think probably have different views of that, but I, I think by and large it's gonna do a ton of great things for I think acceptance of other types of people in the world. So one thing you mentioned in your article, Matthew, was around kind of creating a compelling story for what you were about to do. And in coaching, we call this designing your ideal scene. It's where you kind of write out in present tense 
what your life is and really really what you want it to be, but you write about it in present tense as if like it that. has already happened. And you talk about doing in your article, and I really loved what you wrote about it because I think writing an ideal scene, it helps you manifest something. And because it, it a lot of things are kind of kept in our mind and we often don't have clarity sometimes on what we want to do, but when you can put pen to paper and write down what it is that your life looks like and write about it as if it's happened, it has a way of helping you get clear about what you want and giving your mind and body and soul all of the signals that it needs in order to act on that. Because a lot of times stuff is just kind of sitting out in the ether, but when you can get it written down, it helps. it's a catalyst for change, so to speak. And I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about how you kind of crafted your ideal scene and kind of what you came up with. And yeah, no, I, uh, I, I love that there's like an actual term for it. Um, and that sounds way more eloquent than how I've thought about it and how I've described it to people. So, so thank you for, for giving me, giving me that. And I'm going to, I'm definitely going to steal that in the future, but, but yeah, no. So in terms of my creating my story, it wasn't, it wasn't talking in, in the present, but w- what it was is, is like kind of just, I've developed, this idea throughout my life that it's like, okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're right. Like objectively, you're just right about something. If you can't convince someone else that you're right. Cause at the end of the day, like to get anything to happen, you need people to believe in you or your, your mission or, or whatever it is. So that's, that's just kind of like the background that I bring to most decisions that, that I make. So going, going through college, it was like, okay, you have a series of events that happens. How can you combine that into a compelling narrative to get a job? How can you combine that into a compelling narrative to get whatever outcome you want? And, and so that's kind of the background I brought to it. And, and so my mind is always kind of trying to think in stories. And, uh, and, and frankly, I, it, it works out, but it might, it might sound a bit haphazard to some people. But, but my mind kind of works in like your ideal scene, right? So like... I'll like have a thought where it's like, oh my gosh, this would be a really cool experience. I mean, like I just can visualize so vividly what that is. And then I'm like, okay, how can I build my life to get to the point where this ideal scene takes place? So with like this travel, for instance, one of the ideal scenes I had was it would be really, really awesome to go live on like a rice paddy in rural Vietnam for a few weeks and just learn about those people. And so it was like, that would be a cool experience. How do I get this to happen? And there were enough things like that where it was like, oh, a trip makes sense. Where it was like, I want to learn about Buddhism. I want to live about learn like live with these people. Oh, that happens in Thailand. Or it's like, okay, I really want to learn about like culture in sub-Saharan Africa. It's like, well, living in sub-Saharan Africa is a way to do that. So it was it was just enough of these images, like these ideal scenes, like. Kind of, I like had one and I'd like write it down. I had one and I'd write it down. Enough of those built up that it was like, all right, well, it looks like this trip is the best best way to do that. And then it was turning that kind of like those like scenes into a story that I liked. And then after that, it was like, okay, like it's cool that I like this story, but the story is not for me in terms of this conversation. The story is like, I want my parents to be on board with this so I have their blessing going forward. So it's like, what's I had to think strategically like what story do they like and like okay I don't it's like safety is important to me but like I'd much rather think about 
oh my gosh, I'm going to be living with elephants. That is so cool. But to them, what their importance is in that story is, okay, but you're, if you're with elephants, it's probably in a rural place. Like, is malaria with mosquitoes a problem? How are you going to get there? Okay, you're going to like nine different countries. You don't speak any other actual language. Okay, that's a problem. Like, how are you going to address that? Okay, you want to stay in hostels. You want to do a website called Couchsurfing where you literally just live for free on someone else's couch. Like, that sounds extremely sketchy and from like that safety perspective. So it was putting aside what like I was most interested in and like talking to what they cared about the most. I mean, with storytelling, it's like what you need to know who your audience is, is like a, a very basic rule. And, and so like after you know what you care about and what your story for you is, you need to figure out, okay, what pieces of this do I need to highlight for them? Or like, what pieces of this should I highlight for my friends? Like my friends don't care about like safety, right? They care about, it's so cool you're living with elephants, or it's so cool you like drove a motorbike, where, you know, my parents, it's like, hey, but like, did you have a helmet on riding the motorbike? I don't care about like how cool that drive was. So, so it's just knowing, knowing what pieces of that story different people care about, and then crafting for that specific person. That's great. So what would you say has been your biggest learning since you've walked away from, from a corporate job? It's a good question. I, I would say the, the biggest thing for me, so when I was a senior in college, I was like, I was so worried. It was like, I, you know, if I don't get the best job, like at the best company, you know, my life's over, like everything's going to be ruined. Like I, you know, I'm going to be like miserable forever, like whatever. Right. And I think, you know, being stepped and even like being on the job, I like started to realize that, you know, if I didn't get a great, like the best job, or if I was in like one specific industry that I didn't love, you know, and I had to quit, life would be okay. Like I would survive. And I think being stepped away now a few months from working in a corporate environment, that's just kind of reinforced those ideas where you know, like success isn't money. Success isn't having the biggest house. Success isn't having, being able to go on the grandest vacation. It might be that for someone, but just because it's that for someone doesn't mean it's that for me. And like being, stepping away from that has, I think, been able to give me way more perspective because I'm not close up to to it. And, and so I'm now able to kind of think more about like, what is the life I want? And frankly, I, I think the hardest thing is, is being okay saying that like, I'm okay with like being happy in my life. If other people being society don't view that as a successful life and I'm okay with that. I think that was the hardest thing. Like I was like dealing with, you know, in college and then getting that first job and being there. And then now having a bit of time removed from it where I'm like actually putting that into practice where I can see, see that, you know, I'm not quote unquote living that successful life on one metric, but you know, I'm still happy and I'm okay with it. It's not eating me up inside. And, and so I think seeing that was, was a big added benefit, but I mean, to be clear too, it's like, I'm like hedging. Like I, it's like, like there's a part of me, I can say this, but then there's another part, like if I was being cynical, I'd just be like, you're just full of BS because because it's like, yeah, you're, you're not in the corporate environment anymore, 
but you know how to craft a story about this. So if you want to get back into that corporate environment, you can talk to the values and you can be like, oh, I just was doing a gap year or, oh, I was just doing this quarter life crisis thing. Like if I'm talking to friends or, oh, I was just doing something where I really just needed to learn about other cultures. So it's, so it's, I'm hedging still too, you know, and, and that's something like I, it's, I'm going through this process right now. So it's one of those things that it's like, yes, I've, I've taken the leap, but I can still, I like still have a parachute on, I guess, to use that metaphor where I, I can still kind of backtrack if I need to. And I'm trying to get to that point where I'm okay if I can't backtrack because I'm confident in who I am and what I'm choosing to believe in. And I think that's the hardest thing. And I think that's what this time away has built that clarity towards is developing into I'm okay with not being able to, to get back to that. And it sounds like you've built a lot of confidence around what happiness looks like outside of what the normal, traditional, prescribed path is. And, and I think that's what holds a lot of people back from having the courage to do something like you've done. They don't have the confidence to do it. And they're, they're very, there's a lot of fear around it. And, and it sounds like, even though you say you're not, you're, you're hedging it a little bit, but it sounds like you're, you're building up quite a bit of strength around all of the facets and domains of, of happiness and that they're not as linear as, as we think that they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And what's, I mean, what's allowed me to do that is I've seen other people do it. People I know personally, no. But people I see online through Instagram, people I see online through YouTube, people I see online through Medium. And like, I mean, you can reach out to all these people. That's like the amazing thing about like the internet. It's like kind of crazy. But and so just seeing those examples of other people, it's like allowed me to like have the confidence to start thinking about taking those first steps. So, so yeah, that's, I mean, to anyone that would be like in a similar place trying to figure out values or whether they're trying to figure out like quitting a job or having a difficult conversation with a parent or like a friend or, you know, a significant other. It's just see what other people have done before you and like look for it and like just engross yourself in that. And then that'll just show you that it's normal. That'll show you that other people have done this. Like it's okay. Like you will survive. And that was, that was this, my, frankly, that was like, if I didn't have that, I probably would, wouldn't have done this trip. So there's somebody probably listening right now who is inspired by what you've done they're sitting in a cubicle somewhere under some very harsh fluorescent lighting probably in a gray cube working 80 hours a week what do you say to this person uh so myself from seven months ago what do i say to that person no what, yeah what i say to them is you know just take this weekend Coming up, you know, clear out, clear out your social schedule. Don't go to that brunch. Don't go to that happy hour. Sit down. You know, don't, don't like don't do anything crazy until till that weekend. And and sit down like with with a pen and paper, and you know, just just start writing. Like what? Like start writing about what you think about your job, feel about your job, like. Are you happy? Are you not happy? Why? Like what specific things? Like what's like what's like going well in like your personal life? Like do you like the city you moved to? Like do you not like the group of friends you're with? Like what's eating at you? What like do you like? And and just kind of really 
start trying to like think like what are these problems that like you know why I'm not happy or why I feel drawn to quit my job or why I feel drawn to go travel right and just start trying to like put words behind what those feelings are and you know and then like once you've like made made that list or written like kind of vented gotten those thoughts out like leave it alone for like a week like cool off like don't like be like oh i'm gonna quit like on monday because like i've come to this great epiphany that like this is not for me i'm gonna take my life back because i've listened to a podcast or like watched an inspirational blog someone made on youtube and then come back to it after a week and see you know was i just having a really bad week was you know was was i going through some personal stuff and now it's better i think the crucial thing is you have to figure out which of this stuff is just normal up and down in life and like there are going to be highs at work and there are going to be lows is that normal or is there a larger problem going on that you know it's like okay your your current project you're on your boss is just not your manager is just not good so you need to find a new manager but the problem isn't the company you're at or like the work you're doing it's just this one person or is it a larger issue of you know i just you know i was chasing this this promotion you know and i got it and i'm still unfulfilled like i i i think discerning between what's the noise and then what are like larger issues is hard so like taking a moment to like step back and think about that you know, I think, I think is really important. And then like reaching out to people you trust and respect the opinions of and having those like scary, honest, vulnerable conversations. Those would be like the two, two first things I would, would tell, tell someone in, in that gray cubicle. So. Well, that's great advice. So what are you most excited about right now? Uh, I, th- I think I think right now it's just getting lunch. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, the food here is amazing. No, yeah. but um, yeah, what I'm what I'm most excited for excited excited for like on this trip is is just frankly meeting people. Like I've always found the most value in just like having conversations with people and meeting people that are different than me. And it's it like going on the hikes are amazing. Like eating the food is is really great. Like you know going and like having these unique experience of whether that's like being with like elephants or like being on a really cool beach, like all that stuff's great. And like, I love it. And like, if you look at my Instagram and like, that's what it looks like. But the, but the moments like I, I truly like cherish and the ones I, the ones like I look forward to the most are the other moments with the people. Like I had an amazing couch surfing host in uh, Chiang Mai in, in Thailand, which is in like North, Northwest Thailand. And he just like went above and beyond like any of my like expectations for like what like a host should be like. It was just taking so much time out of his day to like like go around like the city with me, show me all his like local favorite food spots where like they don't speak any English and the menu is all in Thai, so you know it's like very legit. And just the amount of like this guy has no idea who I am, like never met me before. Like I hope to meet him again if I visit Thailand again, but may never meet me again. Like, just I was in his life for like a week, knows nothing about me, and just so gracious and with his time, and just like such a fun-loving guy. And like those moments are like the ones I like look forward to the most. Just the the people that like you know give you hope in humanity, or the people that like like oh my gosh, like this was such like a fun like two-day excursion of this person. Like those those are the moments I most look forward to. 
and I've, I've already had had a handful of fantastic ones and, and I, I can't wait just and that's just been in a month so I can't wait to see what the next next eight have in store too that's great well Matthew you have been on an incredible journey since you've departed from your corporate job how can our listeners continue to follow you on your journey and your your next steps yeah, so I think the I think the two two best ways would be on, on Instagram and then on my personal website and then I have just links to to everything else from there. So on on the website is called biggieand.com. So it's b i g g i and.com and then my handle on Instagram is same thing biggie.and. And yeah, those would be the two two things and uh, I would tell anyone please, I mean if if anything like you resonated, reach out to me whether that's DM on Twitter or Instagram or sending me an email through, through that website. Like I would love, love, love to talk. So please be in touch if, if you want to chat about anything. Well, I am sure some folks will definitely reach out to you and we'll, for the folks that are listening, include those links in the uh, posting of, of this podcast. So you have that for reference. And Matthew also has a copy of the Discover Your Values workbook that we use in our program to help people kind of identify, explore, and honor their values. And Matthew, I would love to have you back on at a later date and time because you mentioned kind of earlier in the podcast that you're still kind of going through this exploratory phase and trying to identify your values. And I think as you work through some of that material, we'd love to kind of hear from you and hear what you come up with and and what's resonating with you as you start to kind of make some more discoveries around what's most valuable to you in your life right now. Absolutely. And I would, I would, uh, I would love to, to come back on and, uh, and talk about that too, as I've, uh, as hopefully have a better kind of more complete picture of how things are going. So thanks. Thanks for the invite. So and putting me uh, on the spot with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. We have enjoyed this conversation, Matthew, so, so much and look forward to having you back at a later date and time. So thank you again for joining us and for the folks listening, tune in because we'll have another episode up in another week. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Discover Your Values podcast. Are you ready to explore your values and create your best life? Visit discoveryourvalues.com and download our workbook to begin your journey.